and welcome to the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. I'm Arthur Yon, co-founder and CEO of Nest Protection Plan. We partner with restorers, contractors, and other home service providers, increase their revenue, grow their authority, and help them build a platform of lifetime customers. We believe that every American family and property owner deserves peace of mind from contamination, mold, and indoor-related illnesses, all for less than a dollar a day. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. What's going on? How's everybody doing? Welcome to episode number 11 of the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. Uh, I'm your host, Arthur Yon, and we are rolling right through the year. 2023 is off to a great start. Um, and of course, if you, you've been tuning in to our show, you know that we've got a, a wide variety of guests, a lo lot of interesting, wonderful guests uh, to bring some knowledge and information to all of you listening. And this is no different. Today's a, a great interview. We've got a wonderful guest. Um, he is a, a an expert. He's very um, well-traveled, uh, well-spoken. He's, uh, he's had multiple TED Talks. Um, and he is also the uh, cybersecurity fanatic at uh, Security Fanatics. He is Mr. Nick Espinosa. Nick, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. It's my pleasure, man. I'm I'm really happy to have you on. Um, and this is going to be an interesting discussion because uh, you know what, what your background is, what you uh, what you basically focus on is is kind of a is it's going to be new to some of the audience and to some of the audience they've maybe very familiar with some of the things that you talk about and work with but um but let's jump into to talking nick so yeah. tell us a little bit about more about security fanatics and tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do yeah so uh security fanatics we focus on all things cybersecurity, cyber warfare cyber terrorism infrastructure and government compliance uh, you know, so we are doing everything from penetration testing to, uh, you know, other projects like we've been working off and on uh, when they have funding with the United Nations ITU to build cyber defense strategies for developing countries. Uh, and so we run the gamut from from small business all the way up to enterprise, Fortune 100 governments, you name it. But our goal is to secure the planet, you know, basically one human at a time. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, our overall corporate goal is to secure one billion humans. Um, of which we are probably about five, six hundred million in. So, so we're we're just going to keep on rolling and hopefully move those goalposts sooner than later. Yeah, well, and it's I mean it's not going anywhere. Obviously, this whole no. uh, security network, the the globe as a whole, just becoming more and more interconnected. And obviously, the need for what you're doing is just growing. Uh, we want to uh, we want to combat the uh, the bad guys and have the good guys like you <laughs> doing this kind of work. Um, so. Tell uh, a, a little bit more, Get let's get into more about how you uh, have worked with businesses, um, helping them become more secure and helping their processes. Sure, sure. So, you know, it, it's actually really interesting because I don't care if you're a small business or a massive corporation, essentially these problems scale, you know, in, in the sense that the small business has oftentimes the very same issues that larger corporations do as well. And so many of them hire me to do cybersecurity or they hire security finance to do cybersecurity. And when we come in and we sit down, usually the very first thing they say is, okay, Nick, you know, tell me about cybersecurity. And I say, no, we are not, we're not there. We're not going to be talking about cybersecurity yet. We're going to be talking about your risk. And one of the biggest problems that organizations have worldwide is that they have not fully quantified their risk. And so I always ask, 
every single business that I walk into, can you tell me in hard and soft dollars, how many computers can be off and for how long until it's so economically unviable for your business? Torches and pitchforks at the CEO's door. You know what I mean? Can can production only be down for six hours and it's so economically unviable because your trucks aren't rolling, you can't service your people? Or can marketing be down for a week and nobody cares? If you can't answer these things really in hard and soft dollars, then how do you know your backups are good and are going to restore fast enough? How do you know your threat defenses are good? You know, at that point, if you're not talking about that, I'm just a glorified sales guy trying to sell you things. We have to quantify risk. We have to understand the risk to our business. How much am I losing, you know, in a ransomware attack when literally all of my employees get a free vacation because there's a total work stoppage, right? How much am I paying electricity, you know, gas for my, my, fleet of vehicles, you know, uh, for the HVAC every month. These are things that if you don't understand, you may be doing it completely wrong. You may have gaps in your defense that you simply don't know about. So we don't talk about cybersecurity first. We quantify risk first, and the risk informs exactly what you need for technology and the defense thereof. And I think that's one of the important things that so many uh, organizations, especially service contractors, are missing. Yeah, I think that you're you're hitting it right on the head there. Uh, these a lot of the people that are, are in the service world, the home service world, they um, are kind of slower to maybe get onto track where of where the whole direction of the world is going. Um, sure. I mean, you know, a lot of guys that uh, the demand. I guess let me say that first. The demand for these services that's not going anywhere. If anything, it's increasing. So. Right. People want, should, and know, and want to know how to capitalize on that, how to make their business the most efficient, um, to make sure they have that, uh, you know, that kind of plan in place where, um, you know, they can keep running and moving. If the, you know, systems go down, like you said, if there's some kind of issue, um, so this you're right in the area where they they need to be, where they need to know um, and find out more about this kind of thing. Um, right. So what, what are some exciting things maybe in store for the future for, for the bu business industry, home service business industry? Yes. But also just businesses, small to medium businesses um, in general, what, what are some things maybe that are trending and that they can look for in the future? Sure, sure. So a, a couple of different things, especially on the cybersecurity front. You know, we we have a lot of technology coming up, like Chat GPT, all of those things. I'm sure a lot of your audience has heard about it at this point. It's basically, I think, the next generation. You know, where we had the smartphones that changed the game to untether us from our desktops and even our laptops. Chat GPT is in, improving basically how we are approaching analytics and all of these other things. Not to mention human interaction. But if you're looking at it from the cybersecurity side, we've had two big pushes uh, in the last five. Five years or so. And these are things that small businesses oftentimes have a hard time understanding. First one is vendor management risk or supply chain risk, meaning as you are outsourcing data and small businesses say, oh, I'm not going to hire an HR person. I'm going to outsource to this platform or, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to have in-house legal counsel. I'm going to outsource all my legal to a lawyer that I know, those kinds of things. But as they are handling and storing your data and information, do you have, honestly, a, an attestation from them that they have good security? Or are they simply saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're good, we're good? Has that even been a consideration? And so we are seeing multiple data breaches, and I mean multiple. Every Sunday I do a breaches of the week, like video and podcast myself, where I'm talking about, okay, here are the things that got hit. And usually over half of them are, I didn't get hit. 
but I gave my data to somebody else to store, to, to work on, to do whatever, like HR, they got hit. Now I have to tell all of you, I have a data breach. That's one of the biggest things that we've got in cybersecurity right now. And a lot of small businesses, especially those that cater to larger businesses are now starting to see the effects of that in the sense that the larger businesses are now coming to the small businesses and say, hey, here are 200 questions that you have to answer about your cybersecurity controls before we are going to work with you. And so by virtue of that, they are recognizing, the larger businesses are recognizing they've got supply chain vulnerabilities, supply chain issues, and they are now pushing that down to the smaller ones to say, hey, if, you know, if small business A can actually say, yes, we're doing this and they can show that they are, we're going to work with them as opposed to small business B. And at that point, cybersecurity then becomes part of your marketing presence as you are basically uh, going after the larger businesses of the world. You know, not to mention homeowners as well, because I uh, think about the bottom line. If you have to go to your 100 customers at home and say, oh, yes, we got all of your information exposed because, you know, your credit card was ripped off through our service portal or something along those lines, how many of those 100 are, are going to want to come back to you? Reputation damage is a huge, huge problem. That's one of the first trends that we've got that are that is we're really pushing in cybersecurity. The second big trend that we're pushing is identity management, meaning we have so many stolen usernames and passwords out in the dark web, and we are people are just humans in general are complacent. Meaning, I've got the same password; I've been using it for the last ten years, and I log into everything from Facebook to my bank using that. Well, now that's dumped in the dark web, and then somebody logs in to your business because, let's say, you've got VPN or remote access, and they shut you down. That's exactly what happened to Colonial Pipeline: stolen username and password in the dark web, logged into Colonial Pipeline, shut the billing down. They pay panicked so they shut the pipeline off and freaked out everybody on the east coast wow, so okay. <laughs> you, you know what i mean so so these mm -hmm. are things that we are really pushing for gone are the days of your standard just username and password even username password and multi-factor authentication is now being outclassed by identity management solutions that are looking at absolutely everything so for example um as, as i travel i was talking before here i was in europe last week as i mentioned to you my logins only work where i am Meaning when I come, when I'm gone from the United States, they don't work in my state. They only work where I am. And so nobody can spoof me or make, it becomes very harder to spoof me by virtue of that. So those are the big things that we are working on, not to mention advancements in artificial intelligence. Like I mentioned, not just chat GPT, but the threat detection systems of the world are now starting to understand behaviors of both users and like things like ransomware or malicious software in a way that we've never seen before. Gone are the days of the Nortons and the semantics and, you know, all of that. We are, we are way beyond that at this point. Yeah. That the sophistication is just growing and it's getting smarter and smarter AI. Um, yeah. So it, what, what would you say to some business owners that might be listening and let's say they're looking either they want to add a CRM system or, or, you know, something to manage uh, their, their customer database and all that kind of stuff. And they either want to find it externally, or maybe they have one and they're kind of wondering if they want to go with another, you know, external company or, or program software, what are, what are some things that they could look for to determine whether or not that's a good uh, program or a good company to, to work with? Sure, sure. So, so when I'm approached by one of my clients to say, hey, we're looking at a new cloud-based platform to do whatever, let's say a CRM in this case, um, what we do is vet it. And one of the very first things that we do when we're vetting is we look to see, does that organization have certifications 
for cybersecurity. So if they're in the cloud, they might have a SOC 2 type 2 certification that basically means a third party has come in and validated that they have the controls. Now you have to watch out for SOC 2 because a lot of them will say they have that, but they don't. They're actually hosting on Microsoft or Amazon that has that. And so their, their cloud infrastructure might be secure by virtue of using Amazon or Microsoft or any one of the large platforms, but they themselves have not proven they've got good security controls. So make sure they themselves have that. Other ones that we look for, especially on the more stringent side, are things like FedRAMP. Now, if you're not familiar with FedRAMP, that is a U.S. government designation. And if you have FedRAMP, you are able to work with the basically the United States government, meaning the US military can use you all the way to like the federal dog catching agency or whatever it is. <laughs> it is a very stringent standard. And so the very first thing we're looking at is the certifications that they have, if they've got them. If they don't, that's a huge red flag uh, for us. They also, and, and a small business is like any other business, the CRM is in your supply chain. You are totally within your rights to send them 200 questions of supply chain vendor stuff and get answers back from them to get those attestations that they actually have good security. Uh, you know, so once you understand that and once you've vetted it, the first thing we do is vet for security, make sure they're secure. And of those that are remaining, then we sit down and say, okay, is this usable? Meaning, am I going to like pull my hair out every time I've got to log into this stupid thing because it sucks, like the interface is horrible, or is it, oh my God, it's so easy, it's great, you know, so so that would be the second thing, obviously, that we look for. But first things first, check those certifications, uh, you know, check their reputation. There's also uh, platforms out there um, that, that basically are used by large enterprise to gauge and uh, rank different types of CRMs and other types of technology. So like Gartner's Magic Quadrant would be another place. If they are in the leadership quadrant, odds are they're probably rocking it out. They're probably doing a lot of those things because the people that respond to that are like the enterprise level chief information officers, chief information security officers, and they are giving their honest opinions to, to Gartner, which is a research organization. And so looking at Gartner, another one is Forrester. We, we would look through all of those to make sure that what we're doing is actually secure and we have really solid products. And we also know at that point, yes, the funding isn't coming from Moscow, <laughs> you know, or Beijing. So, you know, we're not giving a copy of all of our clients' data over to, you know, the Chinese government or something. So that's <laughs> another thing that we're, we're looking at, you know, where are the sources of funding? Where is there, do they have financial visibility? And, and that that is a huge thing. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it, they can get confusing because people are hearing a lot of different things, you know, about the apps they're, they're downloading and TikTok, you know, is, is oh, yeah. China's it's biggest spot. <laughs> Tick TikTok is the bane of my existence right now. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. I can see how. I can see how. Um, well, th this is a great conversation, Nick. So let's uh let's jump onto a question I wanted to ask you. Sure. You have it looks like you've got a, a whole lot of podcasts. Maybe you you even do a daily but podcast. Um, a couple of the topics we've seen are going viral on social media is BS. Um <laughs> Yeah. And then Facebook user uh, security is question mark. I think that was one of them. So tell, explain a little bit more behind uh, the BS going viral is BS. Sure. Explain yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. So I try to do daily podcasts and videos. Obviously, when I travel, sometimes it's three times a week as opposed to seven times a week. But if I have the ability, it's seven times a week all the time. I, I, I literally am. I just finished one earlier today, uh, you know, uh, on, on these things. But yeah. Yeah. Um, in that vein, so the social media one is actually really interesting because 
essentially one of the platforms, I believe it was TikTok, um, was caught uh, essentially prioritize. Yes, it was TikTok. Now that I'm remembering it was caught prioritizing traffic for those basically influencers, quote unquote, that they wanted to work with. And so there's an expectation or this assumption that that as you were using social media, let's say you're trying to get out there, you're trying to be public, that is it, it is an even playing field. And interestingly enough, these organizations are actually using uh, U.S. law to say that they are not prioritizing. They are not publishers. They're simply an open platform. You can go viral. You cannot, you know, two people can see it. Two million people can see it. But TikTok was basically supercharging a lot of these posts that they essentially said, okay, we want to go viral. We want to push this in front because this is going to one, get, get money, advertising money for us and revenue, but it's also going to start paying these influencers and they're going to want to stick around. And that is essentially how TikTok was building their massive explosion of a user database uh, around the world by, by prioritizing these people they thought would actually make the money. So when I go on TikTok, and for the record, I do not have a TikTok account, but I'm actually a correspondent on a radio show and they came to me and said hey will you do videos for tiktok and i my first thought was like you know who you're talking to right <laughs> like i am this this is a chinese surveillance app first um and they said no 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 they're like they're like we'll put it out on our video we'll put it out on our tiktok account and so the video i did was um why you should leave tiktok why it is a disaster why it's a privacy nightmare and all of that <laughs> they put that, that on, on tiktok, TikTok. <laughs> and they told me they're like you got a hundred thousand views in like a week <laughs> you know and maybe one person might remove the app. So so understand that when you're looking at TikTok and also Facebook has been caught doing this as well. We know their algorithms have prioritized things like anger and incendiary posts because it drives traffic, which drives advertising revenue. And so going viral is very rare to do it organically, especially when the algorithms of the world, the AIs of the world are are basically either suppressing you or or not prioritizing you, even if you've got, let's say, the most informative content out there. And so that's something that that is, you know, we, we are really seeing, I think, the deleterious effects in the last couple of years of the last 10, 15 years of what social media has done to society. And this is just another one of those nails in the coffin, if you ask me. Yeah, I think you're speaking on behalf of a lot of people when you say that too. And yeah. they've seen the, you know, the the and I was gonna say progress, but more regress, uh regression um well, of think, all the social media platforms. Yeah. Think think about it this way though. Think about it this way. Per Pew Research, only 38% of us, 38% of the general population actually thinks that technology has benefited them personally. Think about that. That's less than four in ten people on the planet per pew, which is a known good research outfit that says less than four in 10 think technology has benefited them. And what does that tell us about the general population? It tells us that we have a myopic view of technology, meaning we can't get past the phone. The phone in front of us is depressing us. We can't get past the emails, the calls. There's no free time. Social media is depressing myself. It's depressing my kids. <laughs> you know, like we, we cannot escape this. But if we look at the broader sense of technology, health technology is allowing us to live longer. We've got amazing innovations. Automotive technology is making our cars and trucks a lot more safer. Airline technology is making airplanes safer. I, I fly all over the time, I, all over the place. The odds of me falling out of the sky are next to zero. You know, so, so if we don't have that understanding and we can only see what's in front of us, 
then we get caught up in that ecosystem, whether it's social media, whether it's the constant uh, teams and Slack and emails and calls and all of that, that, that we can't divorce ourselves from. And that's one of the big problems. And social media was really the huge push essentially to depress everybody. I mean, look at when we grew up, right? You have a fight with a schoolyard bully, you'd go home, you'd come back the next day. Now they're following you on social media. You cannot escape it even in your own home. And, and it's those kinds of things that we're really starting to just be aware of. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there are a lot of pros and cons to to the technological advances. Um, and I think you're you're really getting into something that a lot of people are becoming kind of back to that state of awareness of where we we need that human interaction. Um, yeah. And that's what's so great about homes, you know, the home service industry, where we, you know, everything that you've discussed that that everybody's listening, they want to be able to link that into their infrastructure and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, they also get to go and have that human interaction, talk to Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, you know, right. see the families, uh, work with people on an in-person basis. So um, right. I think if we find that good blend, that's where we need to be, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, um, but but technology helps that. I mean, think about this. I mean, the, pand the pandemic was, was both amazing and devastating uh, if you look at it i'm forgetting forgetting the disease itself it's supercharged remote work meaning we've got a lot of office buildings that are still empty that harms the service industry but at the same token uh you know what we are realizing i think coming through the pandemic is that human interaction is more important than anything else i remember my first speaking gigs you know after taking almost a, actually more than a year off from traveling which is unheard of for me because nobody wanted me to get on a plane right? They wanted me to do it remote. They wanted a webinar or whatever it is, as opposed to in person. But that initial coming back, the camaraderie of these groups, like, oh my God, I haven't seen you in two years. And, you know, it was amazing. And so I think it really put things into perspective for that. And home service is no different. You know, it's it's ramping up all across the board again, uh, you know, and, and people need that interaction. And I think home service and uh, especially small businesses are beyond critical to just the strengthening the infrastructure, not just of, of the economy, but also of human interaction as well. It's such a critical thing. Yeah, I agree completely with you, Nick. Um, this has been fascinating. Tell everybody how they can reach you. What's your website? How can they get in touch with you? Uh, sure. Yeah, you can feel free to connect to me on LinkedIn. I always love to hear from people that 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 watch these or listen to these kinds of things. You can find me at slash Nick Espinoza. Um, you can find me Facebook as as well. Uh, uh, Twitter, as long as it exists, is still is uh, at Nick AESP. Um, yeah, so feel free to feel free to reach out and follow and connect and say hi. Awesome. Nick, this has been great. Um, thanks for being on the show. He is Nick Espinosa. He's the chief security fanatic at Security Fanatics. Um, he's a cybersecurity expert and clearly knows a whole lot about what's going on in the world uh, as we interconnect more and more each day. Um, so, Nick, it, this has been great. Thanks again for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Nick. And uh, and everybody, we hope you tune in next time for uh, for the next episode of the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. We'll see you then. Have a fantastic day. Arthur Yawn here. Thank you so much for listening to the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. If you are a successful restorer, contractor, or home service provider who would like to be on this program, please visit jointhenestteam.com slash go. 
If you got something out of this interview, would you also share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag HSSP Spotlight. I love seeing your posts, love seeing your guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and your reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, jointhenestteam.com slash go, or follow me on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.